Doug Morgan, surprise, surprise. What's up? Back in action, buddy. Back in action in the 50. Second shelf, got the outside full of furniture and books and damn fish tanks and everything else to get these people drawn here. I might need one of them card tables before I leave. I need a folding table for my merch shirts. Got a desk. I got some knick-knack, paddywhack. We got everything, man. 50% off still? 50% off as long as you mention it from Facebook. No, nah, it's going to be 50%. Later. <laughs> I was going to say. I put that on there. I put, we'll see what I put is on Facebook. I put 75% off clothing. and then, But you uh, have to mention that to get that special deal. If not, it's 50% off. But I always give people deals, dude. Yeah. I just. I noticed that. In fact, I was writing because I had to do a show last night at the Columbus Funny Bone. I had a corporate clean show. Ooh. And I was going to steal some of your material. Not so <laughs> in, not in any of your stories about being here, but about how we recorded a podcast here right. and how, uh, you know, People would come in, like the guy said on the Golf Clash comment, he was like, I thought it was funny, or whoever said, I thought it was funny that people would come in shopping and you guys would just start talking about <laughs> if they were going to steal gonna it. steal stuff. <laughs> right. I started right. thinking, I was like, it's kind of a fine line. There's certain things that it's like, yeah, please steal that. But other things, it's like, you better than uh, right. not today, buddy. Yeah, I'll leave stuff outside just that I don't care will get stolen because yeah. I just want to get draw people into the store, but if I have high price items, they're going in the they're going in the yeah, behind the glass. But case. it's still about principle. I called a dude one time stealing some headphones. They were twenty five cents. Yeah, he was just walking by and picked them up. Thought he was going to be cool. And I said, I, you know, I said, uh uh-uh, uh, dude, what are you doing? He's like, what? No, I went up, and snatched him from him. <laughs> in doing so, I broke him. But I didn't care, and I was like cussing him out like down through. I was like, you ain't gonna steal from me. And he was like, you guys always do me wrong. I'm like, what are you talking? And then. My dad's walking up to the door while I'm cussing out a dude on Third Street stealing oh, something. My dad and he's like, you know, he ain't like that. Yeah. He's calm, cool, collected. He's right. looking at me like, what did I raise? I remember you came over to Jer's one time, hot as hell, because somebody stole a bike from out front. Oh yeah, just flip, and I just missed catching them too. Yeah, and I mean that's like that. The odds are. A bike, leaning, you know, just being out there, that's like leaving a motorcycle running. It is, <laughs> dude. That's the you. dumbest thing I could have left out there. And I was mad at myself, too. <laughs> you could have, you would have had to, like, take the rubber off the tires or remove oh, yeah. one of the wheels. Right. Wheel inside. Even then, they'll just ride a wheelie, dude. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you should see the shit they ride down here. They make, like, they put motors on these little bicycles and shit. You've seen them? Yeah. Them things fly, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. No helmets, dude. Yeah. They're just wearing. Just booking down the street, dude. There's these kids in my neighborhood that have these electric bikes, and they, they're they not super fast, but they're so low to the ground, and they're already little kids, so it's like they're barely coming above the hood of a car. Yeah. So if they come out from behind the sidewalk or whatever, Done. you're like, oh. Yeah, and the weight of the bikes are so light. Yeah. Just, anyway. Yeah, so they can steal, man. Steal something, please. People be stealing. I might take this Barbie tent to Bonnaroo with me. You can fit right in there, bro. I'll sleep up in there like a <laughs> like a in, a in a ball. You ball right. up like you, a python. You would literally fit in there like you would just fit. Like if you, you cut <laughs> my legs off and my arms <laughs> off and then shove my torso in there, <laughs> you, you could just stack walk around <laughs> in there like a suit. Like, <laughs> that'd be a hell of a Halloween costume, bro. You should Oh yeah. You're right. Pop your head up. Just cut a hole. Pop your head up through there, bro. You're on. 
I'm set for Halloweens. Yeah, My man. shoulders are probably wider than the tip of that thing, though. Yeah, that thing's a little teensy. I might have to keep shopping for a Halloween outfit. Never too soon. Not here at Second Shelf. Tell you what. Hell yeah. Probably find you a nice golf outfit back there. Bro, I got all kinds of stuff. I got golf balls, clubs, anything you want. Speaking of golf balls and clubs, how'd, uh, how'd you do in the tourney this weekend? Oh, dude, one of my best tournaments. I, I, well, I actually got lucky to qualify. I, had a, I shot a really bad score. Like, it's low scores in the, the spring major is what this is. And, like, the, the holes are just harder to get eagles on. So, you know, I, like, winning scores are, like, 20, minus, under 25, 23, 25. And if you're in the Masters, it's a little higher. But, like, I'm in the pro um, division. No, no brag. No brag, yeah. No, no reason to. Humble brag. Yeah. But uh, so I hit a minus, I hit a in the weekend the, to qualify for the weekend round. I hit a under 16, which sucks. Yeah, you're probably not. So I I just happened to be in a, a bracket where everybody else sucked too. So I made it like with 46th, top 50 out of 100 make it. I got minus 46. How you doing, sir? Pretty good. Got 50% off everything in the store today. But yeah, I, uh, so I hit minus 16 and I did make it. So now that the weekend round comes. I'm pretty excited because I want to do well, but I'm not thinking I'm going to do well. And also, my opening round, my first nine holes, I go 12 under, oh. which is I hit a hole in one first time in a tournament, so that's like a big deal. Yeah. You get a hole in one, you're on your way to, you know, that's some good momentum to have. So minus 12, first nine, so I'm hype bragging about it to my buddies online. Yeah. You know, just watch out for all Watch out here. I come, even though I know, you know, back nine's a whole different story. It's the same nine. The first nine and the back nine are the same. Oh, okay. You just repeat the holes. Okay. So, um, you know, so you can get some strategy from that. And the wind stays the same on each hole. That was going to be my next question. So that you can kind of, you know. So I felt like I was dialed in. I'm hitting my perfect shots. So first hole, though, I screw up and par it. So that's, uh, you par, it's like a, it sucks, like a bogey. Right. So then I get all, but then I get all the way to the last two holes and I'm minus, I don't know, what am I, minus 20, I'm minus 18 or 19. So if I can get, you know, my birdie and my eagle, I can get probably in the top three or top five. So I end up hole 17, which is a par three. It's a real hard one. I hit it in the damn sand pissed and, I, and I'm, I'm live recording this these last two holes on my du recorder the screen recorder yeah 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 i'm watching my kid which is stupid to be playing while you're watching your kids you well but that, be, yeah, yeah. Be, that's well, what i mean how else are they gonna catch themselves on fire right you know, know what i mean you I gotta mean, distract shit. yourself <laughs> right, you let gotta, them start a fire you gotta help the population <laughs> control, <laughs> control some please spay neuter set your children <laughs> on fire so I'm playing it. My son's in there uh, in the in the living room with me, and I'm playing it, and I'm getting excited. And I'm getting emo- and I hit it in the sand, and I'm like trying not to cuss because he's already picking up every damn sure word that I say. So I hit it in the sand, but then I chip in. So I'm like going crazy, like yeah, I chip in for a birdie. So I'm oh, like nice. I saved the birdie. Yeah. So I'm going crazy, and then the last hole, trying to get an eagle, and then I hit it up real close, hit it on. Did you looking for anything particular today, sir? I don't, but I don't have a lot of kids' games. The only thing I had would have been right in there in that little little room there. Um, it's for like a Snapple Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot, yeah, that's something to be cool for. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah, for sure, man. Good luck to you, sir. All right, have a good one. So, yeah, I'm on that last hole, and it's an eagle hole. But, you, but I actually, I get a great drive, and then my second shot goes on the green, but it's like one of those you'd rather it be on the fringe because it's easy to chip in. Now sure. I got a long putt. Oh, okay. Let me go get uh -oh. this. Blowing down the street. Let's oh, go. Let's take him with us. Come on. Walk. All right. Come on. But anyway, real quick, I, I missed the putt, dude, and I'm going, I'm pissed off. I'm like, bullshit. That was bullshit. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my son in the background just like, bullshit, bullshit. Oh, <laughs> oh Snapdragon. Oh, fudge. Plant, it's just boxes. Ain't no big deal. This, they can this, run tree, this tree might go good in my bike. See, bicycle. the tree would have stayed up had I kept the door open. So I think I'll have to probably bring that inside because the wind's going to – the wind the, the wind door is keeping hold. the wind. Um, here, let me go ahead and get that box. Unless you want to rock together. Let's rock. Let's go, buddy. Come on. <laughs> this ain't no – I ain't new to this. Did you ever see my uh, the uh, graffiti we have back here on this wall? No, I didn't. I let this guy paint back here. Oh, wow. They just do some cool like that. It kind of draws attention to us. Yeah. Uh, better that they ask permission, I guess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it looks nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. It would, it would have to be like a slug throwing up on a <laughs> on the back of a dead bison <laughs> to, to make it look worse. Yeah. That's see. That's something. So good yeah, on they, you. They used to uh, draw characters and stuff on there. And then the. One time my neighbor got so mad because he had to look at it because it looked like, he said, it looks like they're throwing up gang signs. <laughs> it's a black kid throwing up gang signs, and I'm sick of this. And white people are, are the ones that are the minorities now. And I'm just oh, like, dude, don't yeah. start that. I, I went off on him, dude. It was a Monday I was in here, and I was not in the mood. Like, I just yeah. come back from me and Jay, went on, like, a to tour to, Il to, on, to Illinois, and it was just a long trip. And I come here to just do some stuff, and he knocks on the door, going to get all high and mighty, tell me that I'm going to remove that. I said, motherfucker, let me tell you. <laughs> and I was, I said that because I got so many, because you're going to tell me what to yeah. do. I said, don't look at it then. I said, I'll decide if it's offensive. Yeah. Let me, give me a chance to go look at it before you start telling me what I'm going to do. Yeah. He was like, well, I'll tell you what, my brother's big. He's, he's like, he's going to talk oh, about his brother God. being big, and my brother will come over here and do it right in front of your face. I said, good. That way I know who to have arrested. Please do. Yeah. I want it to be done in front of my face. Oh, man. Oh, I was so mad, dude. He, and so he didn't talk. He used to buy a bunch of stuff from me. He didn't talk to me for like a year. We were like on, like, like I was like, fine. You don't come. Don't talk to me. I don't need to talk to you. Yeah, brother. yeah. Just, I'll find another customer to buy my 50% off wires. <laughs> right. But he runs like a little boarding house or whatever. Uh, so he's got like a bunch of people living in this house. So he buys a bunch of furniture from me. Yeah. So then finally he came over one day. He was like, well. I guess we kind of got into it a little bit, and I'm sorry for my part in it. And so he did kind of apologize, yeah. and I was like, hey, dude, that's fine. I said, I've dropped it a long time ago. I, yeah. mean, it's, I don't appreciate what was said, but, you know, if you can be man enough to apologize, then we can move on and give me your money now. Yeah, spend your change give up Give me your racist horror. money, motherfucker. Guess what? Now you only get 40% <laughs> off. All right. All right, you want to walk around? You got some, some door shoppers over here. All right. See if I know. Oh, I know this guy. He's a yeah. cool guy. He comes in all the time. He looks like uh, the Shogun of Harlem. Looks like on, on the Harlem Nights. He looks no, like. No, like, uh, remember, uh, who's the master? Shona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one movie was Enter the Dragon. Yeah, or something? something like that. <laughs> the the last dragon. The, the last, last dragon. Yeah. You get the glow. Yeah. <laughs> Bruce Leroy. That, yeah, Bruce Leroy. That's been a year since I've seen that. Me and my sister. Hey, what's going up, bud? How you doing, man? 
What you been up to? Anything good? Oh yeah, where'd you move to? All right. <laughs> yeah, just like that. Um, so, how'd you finish up in this tournament? So I ended up like I was be saying bullshit. My sons were beating bullshit, and I'm pretty embarrassed. That's why I didn't buy. I wasn't going to put out my bad parenting on, even uh, though I'm doing it right now. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's going to hear. But it, but then I had to catch myself. So I ended up getting like 16th. I got minus 21. I was I should have had 23. There was no reason for me not to, but. I think I got two pars on that last nine. Ended up nine under for that line. Got 21. So I still got a medal. Yeah. So I was pretty happy. It's my first, you know, medal that I've gotten. A finalist medal. I guess they take the top 25, get like a medal. Uh, so in your, on where your name is, your profile name is, it'll show a little, like, a banner. And it'll show a medal kind of giving uh, you yeah. your, cri you know. Kind of like in the military when you yeah, got that big crest, the yeah. badges and everything. Your badges and stuff. So, yeah. So There goes the tree again. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Well, well, that ain't hurting nobody. Somebody pick at it. <laughs> Somebody got there. Just got a customer out here. Right, just, how much you get for that tree? $5 if you pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems a little pricey. Uh, it's fake. You don't have to water it or anything. I know. It's dusting it that I'm worried about. Right. It's got a lot of leaves. Yeah, it does. Like real I might, wood. I might be able to make two trees out of that. You might. I always wanted a good piece of fake. Oh, dude, I could never have any kind of live nothing i would kill it i don't oh, i'm good with it but what plants. i found we got these corn trees one time these corn plants they look cool they kind of look like palms um from ikea right they're cheap but they had nice vases with them and they were big and i just was like oh this would be nice around the sides of the fireplace and uh we got them and then a week later, I'm noticing these flies everywhere, these little gnats mm -hmm. or whatever. And then so, like, they were on the in the soil of the plant or whatever, uh. and the, they were flying around or whatever, and they started multiplying. And they would, like, land in your drain, and they would uh, – I think they would land in the drain. And, like, you know how you have a trap where the, the pipe goes – like, for your sink, it goes down, then it curls back mm -hmm. up. There's always a little bit of water, and then it prevents gas from coming up. All right, bub. Have a good one. Yeah. All right, man. And uh, I think they get down in all those waters. Anywhere there's sitting water, they would lay eggs or whatever. So then they were, like, all in the bathroom, like, coming up out of the shower mm -hmm. hole. Or whatever. And I was just like, oh. So I had to go through, like, intense, intense trials and tribulations to get them all uh, removed. But that's when I was like, I, I don't want any live plants if they're going to be bringing pathogens into yeah. the crib. So I've then, seen then aliens. Then you have to get you a Venus flytrap. Then you have to get you... Some things are kind of wicked, man. Yeah, who was Nate Washington had one, a video. I think he's he was harvesting, so he <laughs> had him a grow operation, got him some Venuses. Yeah, they're kind of cool. Yeah, I've I've always been fascinated with growing anything. I used to think I was going to be a biologist when I was in high school. I think I was going to go to Wilmington College. So, like uh, in the Yellow Springs paper, it says like what you're going to do after you graduate. We, there's like a big thing every year with the seniors. Mm -hmm. And it's like a paragraph or two. Some people are like, after graduation, I'll be going to the military. Right. You know what I mean? Or like, after graduation, nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some people don't put anything. But right. I – mine was well thought out, overly edited or something. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to – I had a full-ride scholarship to Wilmington College to play – not even to play soccer, just a full-ride scholarship. But I was also going to play soccer. Right, yeah. But I was academically ineligible. So I was only going there to play soccer. Uh, I was going to be a redshirt freshman. I didn't say anything about that, I think, in it. But I was going to study agriculture. I wanted to be um, – I wanted to work in the forest services. I wanted to, like, be by myself in the middle of nowhere 
with no one to talk to, total reclusive person, and think about how different I was, I was running from what I am today that hard right. back then. Right. We could have went to school together, man. You know, I went there about the same. I went there for six, seven, eight years. I, I think it's part. That's the big major place where I took college, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I took their college there. For about seven, eight years, literally. What years were you there? From 93 to 2000. <laughs> Absolutely would have crossed paths of some yeah. sort. And soccer, they had a great soccer team. Man. Oh, dude, my Bud coach. Lewis yeah, was a big that's who was recruiting me. Yeah. Um, he was a good. That was a good program. The women's program was even better. Yeah. Was, they were b- ballers. I went to camp there one year, and that's where I think they saw me. But also, my coach from high school was an All-American, three-year All-American out of Wilmington. Okay. And so I yeah. think, uh, I think I could have been successful as a soccer player, but I don't think I would have been successful as a student there. Yeah. And I don't um, know that let me ask you this: When you went there, did you have any black friends? Um, well, you played basketball. Yeah, I was. So. Well, I went. To, I I was on a fraternity, or in, on a fraternity. I was, <laughs> I was on a, I took a fraternity. I mean, too. I was on a sorority in a fraternity. I was on top of this whole sorority with my fraternal, internal fraternals. Uh, <laughs> That's your next shirt. I'm on fraternity. <laughs> I'm on fraternity. Leave on a sorority. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was founded by all black uh, guys. It was called Phi Alpha Psi. It was, it was an all black fraternity in the seventies. It was founded by all. Then eventually, a couple white guys got into <laughs> like it. Like they do, found like out it was do. cooler than the and other all ones. All of a sudden, <laughs> it's all white people. But then we, when I got there, it was still all white. But we still like all the tradition step show. Oh my God! You oh, had yeah. a white person. White people step doing show? step show, but we're up there with just falling over each other. Right. Falling, no, we actually we had to practice, dude. It was like part of our of getting through is we had to nail the step show but it was all like black tradition in my life i've only seen one or two step shows yeah i mean ours wasn't like we had our our how ours was you we dressed had, like a barbershop quartet <laughs> no, no we had to wear like we were as uh, pledges we had to wear like red sweatpants and a white shirt that was what we had to wear all the time for six weeks wow everywhere we went when we get online at night you know when you but we weren't like the type that was like sticking stuff up each other's butts. And <laughs> so it wasn't like a really good. Fraternity. But we were no, we were still like rough. I mean, you still yeah. had to like you know, we was a it was a lot of a lot of stuff you had to put up with. But anyway, when you're doing the step show, like each member of the fraternity, the big brothers that you had, they would have their own like greet that you would have to greet them to be it a song or something. They would implement their name into it. So then we had to like do whatever and like do the dance moves that they wanted us to do. But it was mostly a bunch of white yeah. farmer dudes that yeah. were just having us just sing, <laughs> sing, sing country parodies. And s- <laughs> but then we, you know, eventually we had some. Then we we had, uh, like well, in my line there was uh, Nacho, who was my my roommate. Time he's from Spain, who just came back to town here not too long ago. I got to visit him. Awesome dude, dude. I love him, man. He's one of my favorite. Is people. Nacho his real name? Yeah, Nacho <laughs> Not- Iglesias Sanchez. Yeah. He uh, taught me all of the Spanish shit to say, all the Spanish bad words. Yeah, like, yeah. At night, we were like roommates. Like, so when we go to bed, he would just, throughout the night, I was like, I don't want to learn how to speak this, the yeah, language. Yeah, I don't want to know how to order wanna, a cheeseburger. Right, I don't want to <laughs> learn how to be the most vulgar Spaniard alive. And he would teach me the worst possible things. And I was just a very immature right. 21-year-old as I am, 44-year-old. I'm saying maturity level. Me levels, too. So. I might have regressed. Yeah, I don't know where I went. But I anyway. Think I, I think I had arrested development and then a regression in my 30s at some point. But going into comedy, you feel like a five-year-old. I mean, 
whatever, however they say, however many years you've been in comedy, that's how old you are in comedy. So if you've right. been in for five years, you're like a five-year-old in comedy. And that's true because even still, when I'm around a 20-year-old in comedy, I'm like, uh, do you want me to right. play with some of the toys with you or something? Right. So Pick me up. Yeah. Can you Can pick me up? <laughs> tell me what it's like in L.A. Uh, I, I want to get like that one day. You want to watch me ride a wheelie on my bicycle with no wheel? I got for a second shelf. Don't tell Doug. Don't tell Doug. I never paid for it. I stole that. Uh, Yeah, that's hilarious. So yeah, it was uh, yeah, but it was all black fraternity, and we ended up uh, once there were a few more black guys got into it after you know. So yeah, I had black friends at the school. There wasn't obviously a lot, and there was there was an all black fraternity on campus that were all black. There were the IOTAs. Uh, and but we got along, man. We all got along for the most part. But there was some racial things that went on. I remember there was a race fight at one time. This was like early '90s, and I remember at a party there was something that went down racially. But was there it, interracial dating? Yeah. Oh yeah, there was even back then. Yeah. I mean, I, not that that was that far long ago. Yeah. But even way but back in a, the '90s. <laughs> right. But it was a rural, rural school. Rural. That's rural. a stupid word rural. to say. But it was, you know, so it was a lot of farm, a lot of agricultural things, you know. The only, you know, it, it, it was fine, though, man. There, I, I think that's what my fear was, but I also had just got introduced to smoking marijuana on a regular basis. Not really. Yeah. Maybe it had been about a year at that point that I was, like, kind of. Well, you'd have been in good hands there. But. That's all there was to do. I <laughs> just was laying him. I was working as a camp counselor at this camp in Yellow Springs, and I was talking to my other dorm counselor who was going to Ohio. He was getting ready to be a sophomore at Ohio State. He was from Salina. I think his name was Tony. And uh, I think. And I was like, man, I don't know if I want to go to school. He was like, what do you mean? I was was like, well, I mean, I'm all set to go. Everything's signed and set and everything. But I just, like, don't want to go to school again. And he's like, well. A lot of people take a year off, but a lot of people say they're going to take a year off and never go to school. He was like, but I, I he's like, after watching how many people dropped out of Ohio State oh, after yeah. the first quarter. Yeah, I can imagine. He's like, forget second quarter, it was even more. But he was like, I just saw like our dorm emptied out and then a whole bunch of new people moved in. Yeah. And then after second, second quarter, same thing. And I was like, uh, so I started thinking about it like he's like, it's not a place for people that don't want to be there. And I was like, yeah. And so the next day I told my mom I didn't want to go. And she was like, yeah, that's fine, I guess. I don't remember, I don't remember her not putting up a lot of resistance. I just remember being like, I was never a good student. You know, I, didn't, I knew if I wasn't academically eligible to play soccer, it was going to get in the way of anything I was supposed to do. Uh, just out of the sheer, uh, I'm like a shark with blood. You know what I mean? Like, I can't be, I'm not a sideliner. Right. I got to, uh, the only way I do well on the sidelines is coaching. Right. And uh, so I don't know. And I don't know if I made the right decision, but the fact that I am as happy as I think I could possibly be, I mean, sure, I could I be happier? Probably. But I have like so much happiness in my life right now. And I'm so happy of where I am now. I don't doubt that this is what I was supposed to be doing uh, when I was supposed to be doing it. So, yeah, everything that you've done led you to where you are. I mean, that's just bright and brilliant right there. Well, I mean, I mean, that's just that's philosophical be your third genius. T-shirt. 
wrecking. Everywhere you've been is where you once had to be come from that one time when you were there. Mom always said when you was born, he's going to do some things and then going to die. Yep. She was, she was a smart woman. Her was learned. <laughs> so you were talking to me earlier about uh, – you you set up a guest account for your golf clubs? Oh yeah, see that's what a lot of you know a lot of these guys have like three four guest accounts because they max out their guest account and then or they'll use their get they'll max out their main account and then they'll get another one so that they can practice like build it up so without when, damaging yeah so when tournament time comes I mean you still try to do the best you can with your turn you know obviously yeah. your guest account and like a lot of guys say your guest account it will overtake your main account just because you're starting over and you know what to do the competition is typically. Well, you, you'd still be facing some people that are doing the same thing you're doing, exactly, but exactly. you'd also be facing newer players, right. and you have the knowledge of the holes. Yeah, but it's very raw. All, everything's back to the basics. Your clubs are raw, but you're still – you know the game so much better and the holes so much better that you're going to compete at a higher level than most of the – especially somebody that, that's brand new that's been playing, yeah. you're going to destroy them probably for the most part. Like I'm – I've won like – 70 out of 100 games, so I'm like at 70%. And, and you I'm, can see the other people's statistics? You, yeah, you can – you know, uh, touch their profile, and it'll show up what their percentages are. So you know, if like if someone's like 190 out of 100, you're like, yeah. oh, this my he's coming down to do what I'm doing. He, he's slumming. I'm, he come down to do some yeah. slumming. So, but it's fun. It gives you. A, it's given me a rejuvenated like feel for the game and a, and, a, and a different kind of excitement to to build it up in time for the next tournament so that I can get my clubs, you know, in a competition level and I'll probably start out at a rookie tournament in this account until I get it built up enough because your club's getting built up is a is a major thing like the the power as far as how far you can hit it because mm. there's just some holes that you can't get to the hole in two shots two or three shots and these other guys have such big strong clubs that it's like you know it's not even fair yeah but it's part of uh, it's just part of the game I hear something beeping beeping oh it's that's my phone. It's Mama. Uh oh. You need to take a call. Yeah, I'm just going to text her, make sure she knows I ain't. I ain't talking to you off. right now. Listen, <laughs> I got important things I got to do down here at the thrift shop, like make sure trees don't blow over. Right. Go out into the middle of a <laughs> pick up a box pick or up two. Boxes connected to Adrian by cords. Listen, <laughs> I ain't the first rodeo. People can only see that what we were doing. I know. They're there. like, what are these guys? We're doing? all connected. I've heard other podcasters do, like, uh, similar type situation. I think they're holding microphones, though. You know, like the same kind of mics we hold when we're on stage. Oh, yeah. But they're outside or, you know, people walk up and start talking to them or whatever. Like, And I always thought that was much weirder to be talking to. Like, I'm talking to you holding the microphone, and then somebody walks up, and I'm still talking into the microphone. Or right. This just takes all the pressure away from having to have the mic the right distance. Right. If you oh, guys yeah. are wondering – it, why this sounds better than the last episode, it's because we have uh, the headphones with the boom mics. We look like sportscasters right now. Right. Or, or in my case, a Wendy's drive-thru. Wendy. <laughs> or Wendy's, or, or, or let's or be honest. Insert any. Uh, rallies. You're ready. <laughs> rallies. <laughs> Hardee's. Yeah, yeah, the, Hardee's. The dirty. Have uh, you noticed the difference between Hardee's here and Hardee's in the South? Dude, I'll never eat Hardee's again. They're disgusting. Dude, if you, it's, I have this theory that the farther away you get from the home office, every franchise sucks. McDonald's is the only one that's ever really been able to like alleviate this problem. And yeah. even McDonald's, they have McDonald's corporate stores, and then they have McDonald's franchise stores. The corporate stores are heads and tails cleaner. How, how and can nicer. you tell? How do you know? It, sometimes you won't know. 
Oh, okay. Sometimes you just well, you would have to ask them: Is this a franchise or is this a right. corporate-owned store? I and I don't even know how much of the corp. I don't know how many they own as a corporation anymore. But more often than not, it'll be a group of McDonald's. Like, say, there's 14 McDonald's in Dayton area. Mm-hmm. Twelve of those are owned by one group, which would be like 15 investors. They have a board of directors or whatever. But all those managers or whatever, sure. they never really meet their boss. Right. You know what I mean? There's like yeah. a regional guy that comes around and checks on stuff or whatever, right. but they never really know who the owner is. Um, so when I worked for Donato's, we had one owner and we knew him. You know what I mean? Right. For all the Donato's in Dayton, we knew him. And we also got to meet the guy that started Donato's out of Columbus. Uh, he would come in every year. So, or so that is a local. Donato's is basically. They started in Columbus. W- but are they nationwide now? Are they? Uh, they so they sold to McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's owns Donato's? They used to. Really? And McDonald's bought like... Learning so much. They bought a bunch of different franchises. And all those franchises went down in profitability, went down in um, quality in general. Uh, I think McDonald's thought they could implement their supply chain and methodology, but they're just the oversight and the dedication to do so wasn't there. Hmm. And so the Grody family bought their franchise back from McDonald's at a lower cost than they sold than it? they sold it for well, and then started rehabbing. Then they did their own thing where they sold, they kept all the Columbus stores corporate and then sold everything outside of Columbus as a franchise market. So really? the, the guy I worked for bought all the Dayton stores. And, uh, and I had, a, I learned a lot working. I mean, probably 90% of all of my business sense um, and know-how came from starting off a, in a restaurant and like wanting to know how everything worked and then learning it from delivery mm-hmm. to pizza maker, to shift manager, yeah. to manager, to general manager. That was part of the reason I wanted to work in the comedy club, man. That's why I wanted to be, that's why I started a server and doorman and yeah. get in there and you do see the nuance because there's a <laughs> lot of what goes on in comedy. It's kind of like what goes on at a poker club or a poker room at a casino 85% of it is nuance. Everyone, I mean, you wouldn't be in there if you didn't know how to play poker, per se. But the nuance of how people play and comp- confidence, like when somebody's exuding confidence or exuding weakness or whatever, just mm-hmm. like the nuance of how to check, how to raise, how to stack your chips. There's mm-hmm. so much of it is like a read game. It's all almost nonverbal communication. Right. See, I never got to that level in playing. Like, I played a lot of Hold'em, but I – and I understand a lot of that stuff, but I'm not – I wouldn't be able to to put it into play and into right. practice. Like, I don't play enough. I played a lot of online stuff for a while <coughs> and lost a lot of money doing that. It wasn't, <laughs> You're wasn't out. a great time. Hey, what's going on, bud? Five bucks. Yes, sir. Okay, bud. Yes, sir. Once you're closed and it's still sitting there yeah. with my pickup, <coughs> that's what I meant. Yeah, it's got wheels. Can you see it just riding it down the street, <laughs> He's just scooting pushing backwards? Down. <laughs> <Whee>! <laughs> you may hit a walnut, <laughs> fall backwards. I uh, I spent a good a good portion of my life, many, many, many hours playing online poker. And I owned a poker club when I lived in North Carolina for two years with my buddy George. And... Uh, it was one of the coolest shits I ever oh, did in my yeah. life was owning a poker club. It was a lot like having a, starting a comedy club, you know? Yeah. It was like Field of Dreams. I kept seeing this, like, if you build it, they will come. All right. And one day we were just like, we would have 
we would host tournaments at my buddy's house, but they would be like cramped. Right. And he had this whole room in the back. It was just full of junk. And he was like, I have a storage place. I just don't feel like dealing with this room. I was like, dude, if we clear that out, we could fit three tables back there. We could have 30 people. We could have a major tournament. He was All like, right. so one day we just did it. And we finished around five, started calling people at six, filled the room at 7.30. No kidding. We made, and then we played a little cash game afterwards. And we charged like um, $5 a head. But the rest went into the – it was like $30 to play, 25 went into the pot for, you know. Like the guy that won that night won like 300 bucks or whatever. Um, second place got like 150 All Right. Um, but I remember we ran a cash game. We split like a – and we sold a case of chips to somebody. We started somebody else in their own poker room. Right. <laughs> and I think we split like $160. And we split it. In thirds, so he got two thirds, I got a third, because it happened at his house. You know, sure. what I mean? so all the utility, all that traffic, all that part—that's right. all his headache. Yeah. I get to leave with them. You right, know what I right. mean? So I felt like, and that was the deal I made. Yeah, um, that's fair. Totally fair, in my opinion. But we ended up outgrowing that space in a month. Then we moved into like a retail warehouse, uh, like an office park, and so we had like a little front office. You didn't have to have any kind of licensing for that. You Not just, for underground poker. You just underground that. Dog? Well, we started off, and his his mom had a. A place in the office park, and uh, and so we would use her spot. I feel like we're getting some audio issues here. Testers, check check, check check. Yeah, we're good. Um, we would use her spot. She had a warehouse in the office park, and it was huge, much bigger than the one we ended up getting. But we just set our tables up in there, and every Sunday we'd have a tournament in there, and we nice. did that for a couple times. And then we were like, we need to get our own. So we just called the landlord of the office park, and she owned the unit we were renting from. Really? And uh, we put in – it was just like a warehouse. I put in a drop ceiling. We painted the walls, like floor screen. It looked like a jungle in there. It was – we had flat screens on every wall or whatever, four tables. And we would uh, we would get sometimes 80 people in there. Dang, dude. That's balling. Uh, that was like a big night, but most of the time I'd say it was around 40 or 50 to start the tournament. Three nights a week we'd start do a tournament, then after the tournament we'd start – as soon as people started coming out of the tournament, we'd start a cash game, and then there'd be two cash games, Dude, and there'd be so three cash big, games. it was so big, man. Poker was so big. Is this, is that's not quite as big as it used to be, though. Everybody's kind of, it's kind of watered down, isn't it? Well, what happened was because of guys like me, and I think that guys like me have always existed – where there was like private clubs, like but they're mostly in bigger cities, yeah. Um, or it's like somebody hosted at their house. The other competition we had in town when we started, we found out there was already another game. A guy hosted three nights a week right. on different nights than us, which is why we we didn't want to compete with him. Um, he was just doing it out of his house. But the night our club got raided, he got raided because oh, you guys got raided. My partner <coughs> had drawn up a map to the other poker clubs in town, including ours, and was, like, giving it out at the game or whatever. Oh. He was like, yeah, I thought it – and so yeah. it was like – I was like, bro, you can't – this is – that would be like a drug dealer printing up a, right. a menu and, and handing it out at a bar. And his address. <laughs> with, a bull, can, with an X marks yeah, the spot where If I'm not it. here, I'll be at this guy's house. <laughs> So the treasure is <laughs> dot, like a dotted line fuck, to the treasure. <laughs> What's this skull and crossbones all about? You don't go there. Don't, don't go. go there. Don't you ever try to find me there. That's Devil Mountain. Oh, oh hell. 
but I was already out of the business at the time. I had already sold my share, my stake of the business to him, and he had actually finished paying me off by the time he got raided. Oh, so you didn't even lose anything then? No, but it still sent me into a huge depression, one of the saddest, darkest periods of my life. Around that same time, I split up with my, the mother of my son. Right. And um, it was just all this stuff that I was like, kind of felt like I was in control of. I wasn't in control of anymore. Yeah. I got into doing. Uh, one of my best friends was like a pretty major drug dealer. So I was like doing cocaine and I was not yeah. in a good place. I was so, so depressed. And my sister, my mom called me and she was like, uh, what's going on? I was like, I was crying to my mom. Like, oh, just oh, you know that when you've got to, gone to that, got to that point. And I was like, I was, I don't even know what I said. Right. But then my sister calls me like a few minutes later and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, nothing <laughs> she was like well whatever you're doing get your shit cleaned up because mom is you leaving work and driving straight to north carolina from chicago so i was like and i was i'm glad she did that i don't know that i would have left on my own it wouldn't have been good if i had um yeah and it was just like and i was in a dark place that i feel like i had like what i would consider a kind of a mental breakdown i wasn't really able to work or do anything for a month or two and even when I got better and it was like ready, like I stayed with my dad in mm -hmm. Akron for a long time and he was super cool. It's almost like my dad wasn't really there when I was a kid, but when I really needed him right. during this period, it up. he was just there. And he was like, and he's a, a psychiatrist, so it's not like he was making life harder on me, right. you know, like you need to be a man and right. tuck it up. You know, he was he just like, yeah, he understood what I was going through to a degree. Right. And even if he didn't, he just didn't force me to do anything. You know what I mean? That's a very interesting aspect of your life to have a father or mother in, in that field, like a psychiatrist. That would be a very, that would just to me be, a, that would be like difficult to like win any kind of argument or, or any kind like to ever be right because it's like they, they're going to, it feels like, I don't know. I just, be, I never uh, felt that way. Yeah, I don't but, know how I would – obviously, I don't know. Cause I but don't. I think, you know, even though my dad is very smart, very intelligent, as a, and very learned as a doctor, my mom's probably smarter. Right. Like, just better – like, a higher IQ. Um, and so she was, like, always able to kind of call my dad on his bullshit. Right. Even if she didn't <clears throat> verbalize it to him, you know what I mean? It was kind of like my mom was always the type of person that would be like, you could cuss her out in public, but she would be, like, the bigger person. You know, she was never, like, an in-your-face kind of a person. Right. But she's very intelligent. And, like, she could tell, like, I remember one time I was like, Mom, uh, you saw a ghost? What was that like? And she's like, well, I don't want to ruin it for you. And I was like, no, just tell me. Like, from the time we placed our order at McDonald's to the time we picked up that food from the window, she told me the whole story of ghosts, and I'm crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like she's something. She's a good storyteller. Right. And uh, she, she doesn't miss a beat. She yeah. cuts out all the garbage yeah, yeah, and she gets knows right how to, to tell. It. She reads a lot. She read The Color Purple in like one night. Oh, yeah. You know, she's like the type of, she's she's well-read. She's intelligent. Uh, not to say my dad's not well-read. He's definitely well-read. But there's just something about my dad that's kind of like, if my dad, if I was going to describe like his underlying personality, it's kind of a ditzy blonde. Right. When he's not, when he's not focused. Right. You know, but when he's focused, he's, you know, a strong black doctor you right. know what i mean dr cosby right uh <laughs> but he never like really psychoanalyzed me and even through that dark period in my life he never really tried to therapy take me through a therapy session but the thing that yeah. me and my dad have in common is that he would always take me to these self-help seminars like the first time we went to one i was like 13 
we li- I lived with him in California, and uh, we went to this thing. It was like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Then you go back the next week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like all day, like twelve or thirteen hours a day. Really? And you just talk about. I mean, at the time, I was just mostly bored. But when I would pay attention, it was interesting. But I was thirteen with ADD, yeah. you know. Yeah, what I mean? And there was dude. only like one other kid in there my age, and she was like sixteen. Yeah. You know, when you're that's that age, that's all you can do is stare at the other person that's kind of your age. Right. And, and that's the last thing you want to think about when you're thirteen is getting your life together or in a way well at least me in a way but i was having a lot of girl trouble when i I, like i had i would get these girlfriends Mm -hmm. when i was in seventh grade and i wouldn't kiss them and so then they'd break up with me i was like it wasn't that i didn't want to kiss them i was just terrified right of rejection i think but i like that i would lean in and we'd be there and then she'd be like psych or something i don't know how but i was just terrified but so it helped me i was going through this depression these things helped me be like it's okay to be sad, but there's only a limited amount of time that you should be focused on your sadness. Uh, right. Then it becomes like self-defeating. Um, and so that's like what I got out of it then. But then I went to another one when I was in my 20s with him in California that was a little bit more stupid. Uh, it was more of like what I would consider to be kind of a scam. They did have some good points in it, but it was like he would make these outrageous claims. And people were like, well, expand on that. And he'd be like, oh, you got to take the second class. And I was like, oh. Oh, I'm not feeling that at all. Right. And um, then we did this one that was here in Ohio called Landmark Education. And Landmark is all around the country. It's kind of like the Amway of self-help. Um, if you, you know, some people are like, I don't even know what Amway is. You know, if you know what self-help yeah. is, there's a good chance you know what uh, Landmark is. Um, but the way it's like Amway is that there's kind of a hard sell at the end for you to tell your friends and family and to have them do it as well. Now, while I do understand why they have the business model they have, it's basically all word of mouth and they have like an 88% um, high satisfaction of people that have completed the course that are like, yeah, I would definitely tell my friends about this. So it's like, okay, well then tell your friends about it, bring them to a introduction or whatever. And if you have friends that have done it, you can communicate with them in a way that is, um, a little bit more direct without seeming mean or pompous. So me and my dad, having both done this, a lot of these courses, not together, but at different times, Mm -hmm. whenever we've had a sticking problem in our life or a beef or some sort of a problem, um, we're always able to get past it with the language of this technology, which is mostly a communication tool. But it really did help me. Uh, I wouldn't be a comedian without having done Landmark, I don't think. Really? It really was what got me over the fear of putting yourself out there. You know, like I said at the beginning of the cast, which was totally unrelated, uh, that I wanted to be a recluse. I was like, I was always moving into these reclusive situations and thinking that that's what I wanted to do. But it was really um, that I was running from comedy. I was running from what I really wanted to be doing. I was so running from this, dude. I was telling these guys last night at the Columbus Funny Bone that – I didn't watch Chappelle's show for like two years after it had come out. So you hadn't even – you weren't watching okay. – I wasn't watching it at all. I was so like jealous that there was a guy from Yellow Springs doing what I wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I couldn't – do. it was a total story that made absolutely no sense. I can see that now, but I just remembered that about myself. And then one day I heard some people talking about it at the poker club, and so I was like – I guess I'm kind of acting like an asshole by acting like I'm affecting anyone but myself by not watching this. Right. 
So I sit down and I watch it. I think the first one I watched was uh, The Prince episode. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And I'm just crying. <laughs> I'm, like, crying, like, yeah, just dude. laughing so hard. And then I watched Rick James, the next one, and I'm just, like, I had to shut the laptop. I was like, I want to savor this. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to binge watch this. I'm going to savor this. is. People incredible. forget just how unbelievably hilarious that show, like I do. Like, because it's been, like, I, I think I want to go back and watch them again because it's been years since I've seen I it. I have watched. Sometimes they come on Comedy Central, like, late night or whatever, yeah. and only some of them hold up. But just like any show in living color almost mm-hmm. none of it holds up yeah you know what i mean it's like oh this was yeah. i remember crying at the millie vanilli sketch uh-huh. and fire marshal bill oh, and all yeah. those other things and then i was like watching it again and part of it's because so much has happened since then that's mm-hmm. standing on the shoulders of that in the similar way the Chappelle show is standing on the shoulders of saturday night live and in living color sctv right. everything that yeah. was a funny sketch show sketch that came show. before yeah. it they were able to be like <laughs> Okay, how do we improve on that? Mm-hmm. You know, without even saying the names of those shows, it's just that's what you've seen. That's what's that's the model. Same thing with comedy. It's the same reason I don't find uh, Richard Pryor to be funnier than Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle because they took what he did and yeah, and amplified it in a way. And so it's kind of like you're going back and you're like, oh, I can kind of see the genesis of some of this stuff, but it's mm-hmm. been can, boiled down so many times. It's like free base you know we're down to the pure elements and it's going to continue to do that sure that was a long story bro that was a good story bro a cool story bro. i went through a lot of emotions see the people that are new to the to the cast are going to be like wow he talks about everything if you go back and listen to some of these older episodes you'll hear pieces of some of those stories um but there really is uh no secrets this whole thing, I imagine I'll die one day and somebody will go back, like maybe my son or my parents. They'll probably help me. <laughs> have they listen, do your parents listen to it? I don't know. Have they? What do they think about you doing comedy and stuff and, and being where you're at in life? Um, Is that a personal? That too, you said no secrets. I yeah, no secrets. Uh, so I think my sister, I'll go through the whole family. My Both my sisters are kind of like, duh. My older sister, more importantly, because we grew up on comedy. Right. We grew up studying it and watching it and speaking to each other in comedic terms. Um, but she's, like I've said before, she's the real comedian. Like, she's built for this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first told Dave Chappelle I was doing comedy, it was because I was like, I was like, uh, hey, I'm Adrian Cosby. He's like, Micah's brother? And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, does she still do comedy? And I was like, No. But, you know, I'm starting to do comedy. So she actually did? Yeah. She, like, uh, she, when she was, like, 15. Really? She did, like, these talent shows and stuff at the school or whatever, which it wasn't, like, you know, where else are you going to do it at 15 or right. whatever? Yeah. But um, <laughs> the reason she stopped, she said, which I hope this isn't telling, st- telling stories out of school, but this happened, <laughs> happened at a school. Dave Chappelle's father was one of the judges. I think he was a grade older than my sister. So Chappelle he was? Yeah, okay. so I think he, she was in eighth grade, and he had already moved to Washington, D.C., um, to go to, like, a school for the performing arts. And she was, like, a lock to win this stand-up, this, this talent show or whatever, at least I felt. Right. Know? And so that they did, like, it was before, like, American Idol or any of that stuff, but they had, like, the panel judges or whatever, and they would mm-hmm. tell you what they liked or what they didn't like. or And her... His dad and Dave Chappelle's dad said it's pronounced often, not often. 
That critique ended her career. Shut the. F- what, what I mean, at he, fifteen, what was he critiquing? What was she said something? In she her, said something, and my dad her, says often, you know. And but uh, we're like, we're we're not grammar Nazis, but in my family, but we are sort of grammar fascists. Like we don't like go around telling other people about their bad grammar. Uh-huh. But you know the way I speak. You know what I mean. It, right. This isn't by choice. It's because right. speaking any other way growing up in my family was not an option. Sure. Um. So. I mean, I cuss and everything like that. And sometimes when people hear me cuss, they're like, I would have never expected you to cuss. And right. I'm like, just because I, they think I speak so cleanly. Right. But it's really just a matter of having uh, my parents say, that's not how it's pronounced. Right. But it's whatever, often, however that happens, slipped through the cracks for my sister. Or she thought it had often, if you think about it in comedic sense, it's a harder two-syllable word than often, which is soft. Right. Uh, so probably if that was part of the punchline, Needed to be a hard T in there, Mr. Chappelle. Right, bruh. Uh, bruh. <laughs> but, bro. Uh, bro. Bro. <laughs> but that kept her out of comedy. And I think, you know, that's a perfectly logical roadblock for a 15-year-old, but not for an adult or whatever. Right. But my right. sisters, my one of my biggest – both my sisters are my biggest cheerleaders, and they love that I do comedy. My mom, I think she's seen me go through enough seasons of passion. Mm-hmm. I used to play chess. I used to play right. poker. Um, I was into soccer several times, really heavy. And uh, so I think she kind of sees that, like, this is just what you're doing now. Right. It's, you a, know? it's a phase. Yeah. This is it's just phases phase. going through. But I've, I've made a career out of phases, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, so I kind of feel the same way. It, it's what I lo- – nothing has brought me the universal joy. Like, the same – nerves that I have been tickled with poker mm-hmm. I get tickled with comedy the same nerves that I was tickling with soccer I tickle with comedy so it's like all these other little things that I was doing mm-hmm. they're they were really just kind of taking the place of comedy because comedy fills all of those voids yeah I don't I don't feel the need to go play soccer I don't feel the need to go play poker uh, I don't feel the need to go play chess I don't feel the need to do any of these other competitive things that I was doing I mean not that Comedy isn't a competition. I mean, at its worst, it's a competition. But you're really, it's like a drag race. You're in a race against yourself, against the clock. Yeah. How fast do you want to get there? And it is a rush above and beyond any other I've ever felt as far as whenever you've taken it to the level of, you know, you're not only making people laugh, you're taking over their minds. Yeah. You're doing, which does, you know, people call it killing it, which I think gets overused a lot by comedians just when they get on stage and get a few laughs. You killed it last night to yeah. open mic. You know, I think it's a very overused term, but the few times that I feel like I would consider me killing or whatever that that's, that's been like you, I want that's what now I strive for that feeling every time. It's like, and it becomes like Saturday, like a couple of Saturdays ago yeah. I was there. Like when we went, we did that show. That yeah. was one of the, uh, probably the top five that's, of that's, all time that I've ever felt. I, I've stage. seen you lights out three times that was definitely the best of the three times but it was also the most recent right but there's just been a few times where i've seen you where you like you said you i wouldn't say it so much that you took over their minds but it's like you took over their bodies because people are like lunging forward to laugh they're covered they're putting their hands on their head covering their ears their face like when you have people trying to block the their ability to, la- to, to laugh or happening. to hear it. Yeah, like you're like literally can't hold it in. That is a great feeling. Yeah, and like I said, it doesn't, I'm not going to sit there and act like that happens all the time, but it, it's, obvi- no, it's, it's beginning to rare. happen more and more often 
the more, the, the, like you say, the better you get, the longer you've been doing it. I'm starting to understand things and having a comfortability on stage that I've never had before. And it just continues to grow. And like we were talking about, these doing these videos that I've been doing yeah. and stuff has helped me. Doing this podcast has helped me because it's being in the moment and, and specifically talking about something. But it's not real. This isn't anything that's scripted. I mean, right no. now we're just talking. We're you know, riffing. This whole thing's been riffed. We don't have any notes. Right. Uh, it's we We discussed loosely what we were going to talk about for the first five minutes. Right. And then golf we just started talking. And then it, <laughs> golf clash always turns into something. A, dr- a drug story. <laughs> and then a story about comedy. One-wheeled bicycles. And one wheeled, somebody stealing something from the shop. <laughs> that right. I don't mind recording in here. Uh, no, today is a lot, a lot less traffic than we had last time. I hate time. that, though. It sucks because we got some bills to pay. But it's, you know, it's I got, I mean, I've done everything I can do to get people in here. I put. Outside of dressing up in a chicken suit. I've thought about getting one of them spinner signs, you know. Oh, you would be oh. a total <laughs> science <laughs> fan. You already got the moves, bro. Oh, dude, I'd be a, You I'd got the moves who, like spinner. <laughs> I would love that. I need to. I'd be out there practicing. Oh, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. You'd probably hit somebody's car. Oh, I that would. would be the, it's all windy out there. The signs keeps blowing Told away. Told you I got insurance. I <laughs> got this place insurance. We good for up to $800. <laughs> <laughs> After that, uh, the deductible kicks in. I don't know what – no, that is the deductible. I don't know. Oh, but let finish the last thought. My dad. My dad, when I lived with him in Calif- uh, Hawaii, mm-hmm. I lived with my dad twice in my life. Once uh, – well, I mean, he lived with us till I was probably like in first grade. Right. And he got stationed in Alaska. And my mom was like, see ya. Right. And uh, then they got divorced a few years later. They were married for 15 years. But um, yeah. they were always – cordial like we would still do christmas together you know what i mean so yeah my friends that would be like oh my parents can't even be in the same room together right what so i think that's part of my success with not being married to my son's mom we're all still super cool now we don't all spend christmas together right but there's no conflict and if there is a conflict with me and my ex she calls you know somebody else in my family you know what i mean it's like there's enough communication That it all, everyone gets along. You just, I was blessed. I'm blessed, but it's also one of those things where it's like I made good decisions on the front end of who I got into relationships with Mm -hmm. because I I could never be with somebody who, um, I don't want to say there's any one characteristic that makes like relationships get toxic or super high stress or whatever. Right. But I just don't do that high drama, you know? So everyone Mm -hmm. I've ever been in a kind of a long term relationship with has been pretty calm. As a human being, which is the way my mom is, right? Which is probably some Oedipus type complex or whatever. But uh, I live with my dad in California, and then again in Hawaii when I was like 22. Uh, just sort of worked out that way. I had a yeah. friend and I moved out there. My dad already lived there, but my dad was leaving, so it was kind of like I knew I was only going to be there with him for a short period of time. But uh, he sent some pictures of me to. A modeling agency? Mm-hmm. I didn't have any interest in modeling or anything. Like, I don't see myself like that at all. Never have. I've never thought of myself as an attractive guy. Right. Now, I do now, as an adult, recognize that I'm not an ugly man. Mm-hmm. But at that point in my life, I definitely was not having a lot of luck with women or had any reason to believe that I was, like, an attractive person or something like that. Or, like, a model. Right. Like, even if somebody was like, hey, we want to give you a $100,000 modeling contract, I'd be like, no thanks. Models are dumb. 
You know, like that was right. my attitude towards it. But I said that to say that, like, now being a comedian, my dad's like, I always knew it. <laughs> you know, I always knew you had this in you. Yeah. I always knew you were a performer or whatever, which is like, I was running from it so hard. Maybe that's the psychiatry right. that he actually knew. Like, all he needs is a nudge in the right direction or whatever. Right. Like, I don't think stand-up comedy is really what he thought I would be doing, per se, but it just made sense. It made sense to him once right. I started it, and he's always been, you know, my, one of my biggest cheerleaders. He tells he tells people, my son, the comedian, you know what I mean? It's not, right. you know, it's not my son, the poker room owner. <laughs> you know, I think he's proud of that. But I think mostly my dad's proud of the fact that uh, we can talk on a level that has us um, counsel each other, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the most mature conversations I have in my life are with my dad. Yeah. So... Uh, that's 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 how they feel. What do your family feel about you being a comic? I know your dad, your relationship with your dad is probably very similar to my relationship with my dad in that it's almost like your big brother and your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my dad. I mean, he, my dad would, has always told me since I've grown up to ch get a job and keep a job <laughs> and uh, get, some, rebelling get insurance, yeah. uh, hang on, you know, get a pension, get a retirement. Like, my dad's worked at DPNL for 45 years. Yeah. Like, so he's, he, that's, and he's smart, you know what yeah. I mean? He, when, when I went to college, he was like, go to Sinclair. You can play basketball there still. Yeah. It's not going to cost you. You're not going to be, you know, a in bunch debt. of loans and yeah. debt. I, I wanted to go live the college experience. Yeah. I wanted to go stay, you know, live in a dorm and play basketball and drink beer be out black. of a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> be in a black. step shows. Be, a, <laughs> be on a black be, fraternity. Be on fraternity leave my whole fucking life. <laughs> So like, like but he was like, but he's always kind of inst tried to instill that into me and my brother, and neither of us have ever listened to a damn word he said, like idiots. But, but it's he, not even that you didn't listen; it's not in you. It's not in me, and and but like in comedy wise, like he and I are like we have similar sense of humor, but it's way different. Like he, I'm very outgoing. I'm an in your face. Like yeah. Dad is very calm. Yeah, he's funny. He's very witty and very like it's, his sense of humor is. He's not going to entertain the line at the no, bank. No, he's not. Right. He's a very just calm, cool. And when, you know, he, he always gives me the advice that I need. Now, whether I listen to it or not is up in the air. But as I've gotten older, I've looked back and just seen how right he has been. Yeah. Like, honestly, comedy, me doing comedy is a result of of a lot of failures in my life. From failing in college, from failing to, you know, in life, to be honest. I mean, I haven't really have a lot to show for my 44 years in life i mean going from job to job i worked at the county for some years and then all like 10 years and all of a sudden comedy got in my face i'm like well i'm quitting this yeah. job to be a comedian right, listen up buddies i quit my first year thinking i'm going to run these shows and and be a comedian and make money it was like dude what a dumbass yeah. but the job was conflicting with my Ability Com to do comedy. Oh yeah, you know, oh. Because it was a night. Because it was a a nighttime job. Like I'd work until eight thirty on Fridays, and that's like when you're the shows are supposed to start. You yeah. Know? And then I also had a third shift job, so I was working two jobs. I was making I was making over fifty grand a year there for about eight years in a row, wow. and got nothing to show for it. Wow. Be you got that I, fancy camera. Got that fancy camera. Right. <laughs> but I was also working ninety hours a week. Yeah. You know? But I could yeah. sleep at my nighttime job, so uh. you know. I wasn't yeah. like I was balling. I mean, I was, but I had my weekends off. And but here nor there, my dad is is awesome. Mother, she passed on when I was twenty, but that she would have, 
that would have been everything to her. She would have loved that because she yeah. was an entertainer. I'm uh, more like my mom. My mom was a singer, and when she was on stage playing the bass yeah. drum, she's up here making them faces and singing. Yeah. She's me. Yeah. That's me. I got that from her. Uh-huh. Like wanting to be in front of people, being the ham, wanting yeah. to be the center of attention. Sure. My mom was a go-getter when it come to that, and she was a good dude. Like she could sing her ass off, and she was – she was good. Someone just run off of my tree. <laughs> just check, just you ain't got no tree in your hand, do you? Every boy? time I see someone running by the store, I'm I like, God damn, what they steal? Every time someone walks by, I'm like, what you got in your hand? Oh, you can take that. That's out there for you to have. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's and, funny because my dad was an actor when he was – and a singer uh, when he was, like, younger. Right. And he probably could have pursued it. You know, being in musicals or what, I don't know if that, I just think he was, he knew when he was like seven, he wanted to be a doctor. And so that was his trajectory. And the closer he got to it, the more he was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. But you, I could tell he would do plays, Mm -hmm. you know, just like community theater plays. I went and saw him one time at this theater. It was like sold out. It was packed out. And he was doing this, (laughs) this character. I don't remember his name was Cephas or something like that. And I'm just, everyone's laughing and I'm bawling, crying. Because uh, I'm like, it's my dad, you know. Right. It's not, it's not right. just this guy up there doing the, the scenes yeah. or whatever. But uh, he can sing his ass off. We would go to these different churches. And my dad, we'd just go to like a different church every Sunday. And I was like, why don't we go to the same church? And I realized it was because my dad needed to get like the compliments afterward of people being like, you have to join our choir. You have to join our choir. You know, because right. he was just out there belt mouth. Right. No book. You know what right. I mean? He knows, knows it by he heart. Knows. He was my Sunday school teacher. And to a large degree, I learned in just a few weeks. I think he only did it for a couple of months. Um, but I learned – maybe it was a year. I don't even remember how long it was. But I remember thinking after a couple classes, he's more into this than my teachers are at school. You know, he had us memorizing the books of the Bible. Wow. And then after that, you had to memorize uh, – basically be able to summarize each book of the Bible and what it was about and stuff like that. I mean, all I remember now is Genesis, Exodus, and Vicus, but uh, – <laughs> Deuteronomy was in there somewhere, but um, Leviticus. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't. I thought it was just one book. I thought it was the Bible. I no, there's, know. there's all these John. No, Luke, actually, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I knew. yeah. So, yeah you degree. went to Wilmington. Yeah, you Quaker. You got Quaker, in. Right. No, no, they got well, one story. You went, what, one Quaker Oats. went to that school. The whole time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got like ten percent off. Discount. He only ate oatmeal. He was die hard. <laughs> he was hard. He was kin to Wilfred Brimley. We were the fighting Quakers at one time. Then they had to they had to cut that. Yeah. Out. yeah like, wait a second. Yeah. Listen, that is kind of like saying that's like. The, the 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 fighting pacifists, <laughs> right? It's so stupid. And then we'd always do like I hit. I, I that was the worst. That was the worst thing about our Wilmington Quakers. That was our yeah. our mascot. Like we had to do Quaker Jacks during football practice. Oh Q, my god! You Quaker Jacks. Hey, I don't I don't oh. know how to spell it anymore. K E R S C Quackers. <laughs> Quacker Cracker. Uh, oh, so stupid, man. I do respect um, when I played soccer as an adult because, uh, like, right before comedy, I was really into playing amateur soccer. And I was playing at the highest level I'd ever really played because when I was in high school, soccer was popular in the United States but not like where it is now. Yeah, no, back in the 90s, it was just starting to become. And uh, the guys I was playing with as an adult were all about seven or eight years younger than me, but they all played college ball. And so they all had, like, a way better understanding of the game. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, like, the first time uh, the first time I played with them, I played goalie for, like, a half. We won the game. I didn't really take any shots. Second game, I played in the field, scored a goal in the first ten minutes. Then I got invited to go play indoor with some of these guys. 
the there was two indoor teams that kind of were mixing into our outdoor team and I went and played indoor and I hadn't played indoor in tw- 20 years 10 15 years or so and I was just missing the ball open goal shots I mean I was just like stumbling and they were like I was like oh you guys want me to come next week they're like uh no yeah and I was like fuck I failed the audition so I after that I went in the basement and I put tape up in the basement because I had like hard floors and lots of room and I put tape up on a couple different walls and then I made a small goal that was half the size of the indoor goal mm-hmm. height and width and I just stayed down there for an hour every day just kicking left it. foot right foot left foot right foot you know small goal you know small yeah. like us one square that was like the size of the ball just hit that every time and then I would go to hit different sides of the goal different sides of the goal right. uh, alternating feet for an hour almost every day and they did call me the next week and I scored like seven goals nice. <laughs> <laughs> so much better and it only took it showed me it only takes a little bit of effort which is what I learned about comedy when I went to like the first contest I was ever in, I saw all these guys in the hallway in their notebooks, like, uh, right, oh, okay, uh, and I practicing said, out in the one, two, three, right, you know, and I'm like, I could never look like that if I'm gonna do this, right. There is a time and a place to look like that, but mm-hmm. it's not in front of the people about to watch the show because I was just there to watch. I wasn't in the contest, right, right. Um, and it was just one of those things. That all of those guys that I saw freaking out went up and ha- did fine on stage. But I could just see that frenetic panic. And I was just like, you can be like that in your head, but you can't. That's like being before a soccer game like, uh, or a football game. Like, they're big. Looking at the ball, <laughs> feeling it, <laughs> pumping it up. <laughs> I don't know if I know how to do this. But it was just one of those things. It was like a lesson. And I also realized that how lazy most of the comics I started with. I mean, I started with Karen and Dave Brinkman, and they were not lazy. But there was a couple people in our group that were just, like, doing the same thing over and over again. My first 20 sets were all different. Yeah, that was well, that was my problem, though, for a while. It was mine, I, too. That's everybody's until you learn to do your – and I'll tell you what opened the door for me what, when, I, when I decided to finally – and this has only been, like, a year and a half ago, embarrassingly enough, is stop bringing notes on stage. Like it was about a year and a half ago. I would always, and I wouldn't even use them. I would mm-hmm. do my set list. Yeah. I would use it on a napkin with my drink. You'd never see it. Yeah. And I was very subtle about how I went and looked at it, but it was always there and it was in my mind and it kept me from being, a, to me, a true comedian. When I stopped bringing notes on stage and doing longer sets, I didn't, I didn't realize how much I didn't need them and how much it made me, it made me concentrate more and it just get, made me a better comic. And ever, ever since then, like you'll never see me bring up, a, I'll, I'll go up with nothing, with nothing in my mind even, mm-hmm. before I'll write something down because I know what that has done f- for me. Yeah, it's a crutch. And it's also one of those, I call it, uh, what do I used to call it? Uh, basically what it was like, even if I took notes on stage and I didn't need them, I would still look at them and I would keep looking at them. Mm-hmm. It was like... Just to almost make sure that you're where you're supposed to be, yeah. that you know where you're supposed to be. It was, well, what, what I found was, and I do this even with my phone because I'm always recording my set from stage, but it also works as a timer, so I know just yeah. where I'm at, yeah. essentially. Right. And what I have to practice doing is only looking at the 10-minute mark if I'm doing 20 minutes. Just I only want to look. Yeah, yep. I just want to look and see look one time. if I'm on schedule. Exactly. That's exactly what I do. But what I realize is that when you get really good and you just keep doing the same set over and over again, then you actually judging time isn't difficult whatsoever. Right. And um, But then, you know, there's the times now when I'm starting to realize, and this has just happened in, I'd say, the last month or two, is 
I want more time. Before, I never wanted more time. If they were like, we're, we're only going to have you do 15 minutes, I was going to be like, yes. But like right. now, I find that oh, like, yeah. if I get, if they're like, do 20, I'm like, I wanted 25. And if they're like, do 25, I'm like, I wanted 30. And if they're like, do 30, I'm like, yes. Yeah. But even at the 30 minute mark, if I'm, that's like a good trajectory to just right. keep going. Right. And you get off of it like right Hello. when they're hot. How y'all doing? Don't mind us. We're just experimenting with our new. He's trying to get a job we, over we at the Wendy's. These. Yeah, we stole these We're from Wendy's. Trying to train him on the drive-through. <laughs> but yeah, everything's fifty percent off today, guys. The uh, the bit I was going to do last night was about how uh, the the Facebook deal. You know, if you mention you saw us on Facebook, you get fifty percent off. Mm-hmm. But if you don't mention it, you also probably gonna you get fifty percent off. <laughs> and it, I was like, and this is my favorite part is that. He has a cash register. This person's got like five things that are all listed as a dollar. And he's like, <laughs> that'll be 513. Just make it $5. Just make it even. Oh, wait. Forgot the 50% off. Wait. <laughs> 250. And the person, no matter who it is, this is what they always say. They always say this. Let me see what I've got. <laughs> like, like, oh, you were just going to start handing stuff back until we got to the number of the oh. coins you had in your pocket? Oh, I have that. Oh, I get that. I get that happen all the time. People have me ringing it. Go ahead, put this it. back. Yeah. Go ahead, or, put oh, this wait back. a second. Can I? Where am I at now? Yeah. When I'm halfway uh. through ringing up. I'm always the where am I at now person. I'm like, I got that button that I can tell you. Hear it? $4.12. All right. Well, stop me when I'm at four seventy. Because that's why a lot of times people are like, I only got this. I got, a, I got a, I got a limit here. I got a limit today. I got to cut myself off at four seventy. Yeah, I always let people like I'm, I'm fairly. I can tell like if someone doesn't have like if it's if it's five dollars and they only have like four thirteen or four twenty. I yeah, get it to, I'm yeah, like, yeah. We'll make it work. Now if it's someone I know that they're doing it more than once or they're trying to just get over on me all the time. The principle. Yeah, I can I can tell who is and who isn't. And a lot of times people come back to the, come back here because of how. I treat them, we treat them, you know what I mean? Yeah. I try to, this is a a neighborhood store in a very poor neighborhood. Yeah. A lot of these people just need some things to get by on, and we're just trying to pay the bills, and I can usually do that because we're getting a lot of free stuff in here, so. Yeah, I, uh, the donations are. I love when I see, when I bring my stuff in here because I know it's going to get seen. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. I, and I, and I, the biggest thing for me is like, I went through a phase when I got out of soccer and started going into comedy. I got rid of thousands of dollars of, like, soccer. Like, it was very important for me. Even today, walking around, I don't want anyone to confuse me with being a comedian. You know, you either confuse me as being a skateboarder or a, or a soccer player <laughs> or a snowboarder. You don't confuse me with what I actually do. Right. Uh, I mean, I do all those other things, too. But it's like, I'm. when I was a kid, I could never dress like a skateboarder. Couldn't afford it. You know what right. I mean? It's just like I had, like... I was a rat. I was a skate rat. You know, I was dirty. I had clothes that I had to wear when I was skating because I couldn't wear my good school clothes while I was skating. Right. And uh, and now that I can kind of afford it, that was what I did when I was like a soccer player. I bought. I just looked like I was wearing soccer warm-ups all day long <laughs> if, I, if I wasn't doing anything. But like. How do you dress like a comedian other than look like a homeless person? Right, same way you dress as a register runner at a thrift store. Yeah, non-profit. Yeah, yeah you do. You look. That's your. I've seen you wear that this on stage is, before. This is my get up. Yeah, that's no what work. you got to wear. 
Well, I think we gave the people what they needed to hear to this yeah, week. Yeah, was a good one. How long was that? We over an hour, bub. Including the, t- including the time we went out there and cleaned up the street. <laughs> right. Well, hell, we got about hour 15 <laughs> on this one. We done did a good job with this one. Um, you got any dates you want to plug? Uh, April 25th, tonight. Wednesday, April 25th at the Dayton Funny Bone. Me, Jeremy Johnson, Ranson Carr, Jesse Nutt will be headlining. And it's American Me Comedy Show with Jason Rogers out of, uh, we'll say California because I forget the exact city. But, yeah, and then we're Santa going up Clarita. to Toledo the 25th, same same tour, or the 26th. That'd be Thursday. So that's about it for me right now. And then got a few one-nighters coming up this spring, but I need to fill the calendar. So if anybody's out there listening, book, book Dougie up. on a show. Is y'all looking for anything particular today? Uh, no, just I'm looking for Making the rounds, right on, no problem. Okay. Okay, man. You got my number still? This is John, right? Is it? Okay. Okay. Yep. Let me go ahead and get you. I got to write my new number, or not my new number, but the um, number on here is the. You want them scratcher offers, huh? Old store number. I always like when somebody has a business card with a with the old number scratched out and the new number in there. Uh huh. But already has it like they went through and did 20 of them <laughs> right. you know, there you go that way you ain't got to watch me ride it out right here we go there's a couple of them there you find one that you needed <laughs> it's a random it's tons of them in there well folks can catch me at the virginia beach funny bone uh this thursday uh april 12th through the 14th with josh blue winner of last comic standing awesome one of the nicest people uh to ever grace a comedy stage and uh hope we get to hang out a little bit that'll be a fun weekend dude he's awesome i have virginia beach is probably my favorite it's one of if not my favorite it's in my top two favorite i'd clubs. love to get there it's Tell uh them you know me i will i'll be uh, next time i'm bringing my own mc <laughs> We're going to co-feature. <laughs> you got to co-headline because we going to co-feature. I always makes no sense to me, the co-headlining spot. It's right. like only, it's only one person goes last. Yeah. If you're, but if you're alternating, then I can understand, right. you know, shows. But, but on if, that given night, it's one person is closing the show, yeah. even if they do less time than the – Yeah. It is It is nice that they throw features that bone occasionally. Yeah. Uh, makes it – it's a credit. It's a my, credit for your – My first week out was at Virginia Beach. Uh, working for Stroop was at the Virginia Beach Funny Bone with Bert Kreischer, uh, and he didn't do the Sunday show, so I got to headline the, the Sunday headline. show. That's the uh, best, and I was, I mean, I was, <sighs> oh man, I was teeth a chattering or whatever. They put like three or four comics up before me, so I only needed to do thirty. But they were like, "But if you can hit forty-five, great." Yeah, man, I did fifty-two. What a boy! I sold the rest. I didn't sell. I sold two shirts uh, Thursday through Saturday, mm-hmm. and sold the rest of them on Sunday. <laughs> Gotta love that. Yeah, man. I was in the zone. And it was one of those things where I was wanting to record it, but my phone died. Uh, find you some things. Not your phone. I wouldn't sell that back sell to Sell it back to her. <laughs> sell it back. We cut her off a nice deal. 50% <laughs> off, actually. 220 Yeah, did I get them to you? All right. 220. That'll do it.
after the two. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, I know it's not John. I keep saying John, but is it? Jerry. Jerry, okay. So I'll forget next time, too. I'm pretty horrible. <laughs> this time. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right, take care. Yes, so I'll be at the Virginia Funny Bound, and you'll be at the Dayton Funny Bound and Toledo Funny Bound. Check us out and uh, follow the podcast. Go to the uh, the podcast page, hit follow, uh, get updates on new episodes, and uh, love each other. Yes, be happy. Be uh, Follow me on Facebook. I'll be having some more crazy videos out that are actually just true life events of my life and my low testosterone and my, my golf clash rants and all those things. Eventually, I'm going to start up the YouTube hard, and hopefully you guys will follow me on that, and we'll have a big old party on, on the internet webs. We're just one big happy family over we'll here. Keep doing it. Totally unrelated, bro. Yep. Boom.
Christmas is okay, we'll dance.